Hey Kings, it is great to be speaking to you today. My name is Simon Holly. I lead the Catalyst family of churches and the King's Arms Church in Bedford. And it's a real privilege to be speaking to you. I've really enjoyed getting to know you as a community. Just a little bit, obviously, it's been interrupted by all that's been going on over the last couple of years, getting to know your leaders and hearing about, you know, your passion for reaching lost people, your um, uh, your creativity in the way that you do that, your passion for community, how you serve the town. It's just brilliant. So just want to commend you. And I know that you're going to be uh, taking that same energy into this season that we're in right now, even though it's just so bizarre and and crazy, um, all that's going on, uh, and uh, I, I just know you guys are, are, are going to be applying yourselves in the in the same way to to this season. And you know, it's in, into that I kind of want to speak today because I, I wanted to speak to you about the kingdom of God. And you know, I grew up um, going to church. Um, I just got to apologise at first for the lighting in here. I know the lighting is not great. Um, I'm used to recording in the day, and I forgot. Hey, it's normally I'm recording this about four o'clock and. <laughs> It's like it's not daylight anymore. Anyway, sorry about that. So hopefully your team will be able to sort something on it and make it a little bit uh, presentable. But anyway, there we go. So um, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, the kingdom of God. So I grew up going to church. I, I went to a church. I became an atheist for some time in my teenagers, but um, the the uh, uh, majority of my life I've gone to church. And do you know what? It was probably about 25 years, nearly 30 years of going to church before I ever heard a message on the kingdom of God. I'd never heard one. No one ever spoke about it, which is bizarre because it's a it's a subject that Jesus spoke about all the time. It was one of his favorite subjects that he talked about talked about again and again and again. And and what I've noticed and what I've seen as I've began to uh, teach on the kingdom of God is the difference it makes in people's lives is phenomenal. When Christians fully understand what the kingdom of God is about, when people who aren't yet Christians fully understand what the kingdom of God is about, it changes stuff. It gives them a perseverance that they perhaps didn't have before because they understand they've got a framework for suffering. It, it gives them a, 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 a passion for life and a desire to, to see God's kingdom come. It gives them a reason, a purpose, which I've noticed that even many Christians haven't yet discovered. What's my purpose? What's the point of being here? When they understand the kingdom, it slots them into a, a purpose. It has such a dramatic effect on people in many, many ways. And so I want to teach you about uh, the kingdom of God today. I want to give you seven things that every Christian has to understand about the kingdom of God, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. I want to give you seven things that every Christian just has to understand about the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, if someone's video editing this, they may even come up on the screen. Who knows? So what we're going to do is we're going to read uh, some of the parables of Jesus and we're just going to teach out of them and just bring out some of the things that Jesus highlights. So Matthew 13, if you have a Bible, verse 24 says this. Here's another story that Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in the field. But that night the workers slept. His enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, um, uh, weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this. The farmer exclaimed, Should we pull out? An enemy has done this. The farmer exclaimed, Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, he replied. You'll, up the wheat, up, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them in bundles and burn them and put the wheat in the barn. Then, leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world 
and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from the kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. And we're going to read that parable and some others. But uh, there's a number of things I want to draw out of that, out of that one. The first is this. It's a message of identity. We are the seeds of the kingdom that God has planted in the world. If you were a follower of Jesus, then he planted you like a seed into the world. You are one of the key, one of the seeds of the kingdom. That's your identity. That's who you are. You are meant to reproduce like a seed. That's there's no exceptions for that. If you have put your trust in Jesus, if you've heard the message that He brought and put your trust in Him, and are now a follower, a disciple, the Bible uses the word of His, then you are a seed. You are someone who is caused to bring transformation to the world around you. You are a seed. And and what I want to point out to you uh, is that seeds can look very, very different to the way we expect them to look. Uh, A friend of mine, Paul, was uh, praying. He was really wanting some people to reach out to. And so uh, he was really praying one morning. He's like, God, you've got to give me some people to connect with, some people to reach out to, some people who are far from you that you want me to reach. And immediately uh, this uh, a man, one of his neighbours came into his mind. And, and and as he came into his mind, he's like, oh, no, Lord, not him, because this guy was a bit of a nightmare. He'd never stopped talking. He had real issues in his life. He was problem after problem. He was a bit of a nightmare. And Paul was like, no, Lord, not him. He's like, God, you've got to give me someone. And again, this impression of this guy came into his mind. He's like, Lord, anyone but him, just give me someone else other than him. Anyway, as he's praying, there's a knock on the door. And so he goes and answers the door, gets up from his praying, goes and answers the door, opens the door. And there is this guy standing there. And you know what? He was wearing a T-shirt and the word on the T-shirt was the brand Disciple. There's a brand in the States, the stories from the States called Disciple. And he was wearing this T-shirt, Disciple. Paul's like, OK, <laughs> I'm hard hearted, but I'm not that stupid. So he's, he starts to disciple this guy and this guy's wife. Well, this guy, one of his issues was, was that he was a, an alcoholic. He was really uh, um, struggling with alcohol. Well, over a period of time, Paul and his wife began to pray and disciple this guy and his wife. They both got free from alcoholism. They became pillars in the church. In fact, when Paul moved on from that church, moved to a different area of the state some years later, as he looked back on that situation, he said, that couple were the best thing that we saw happen in that town. They were the, the seed that we were able to sow. You see, seed doesn't always look like we think it's going to look. It looks sometimes unusual, sometimes like you and I. It just looks a bit different. We are the seed of the kingdom. This is a message of identity. And the second thing to understand is that there is a battle. That's the point that Jesus is making. There is a very real battle. There is a very real enemy. And I've I've seen so many Christians even don't understand this. Certainly those who don't yet follow Jesus. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you might not understand this uh, and may, may never have heard this. But the reality is this. There is a battle. There's a very real enemy and there's a very real battle going on on this planet. It's a spiritual battle. And what I've, what I've found is that as people understand this, it changes their perspective. Uh, let me give you an example. There was once a, 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 a time when we realized that people were becoming Christians and followers of Jesus and then tough things were happen, happening and then they were just falling away. And so I began to use this illustration. I began to ask people, are you born onto a cruise ship or are you born onto a battleship? 
I said, because if you're born onto a cruise ship, if you think you're born onto a cruise ship, what happens? When a bomb drips in, drops in the swimming pool, what do you do? You, 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 your shirt's ruined, you've spilled your cocktail, you go upstairs, you hammer on the captain's office, you think, what's going on? I, you know, I came on this cruise and now my shirt's ruined, the pool's ruined. What on earth have you brought us into this place for? But if you're born on a battleship and a bomb drops into the swimming pool, well, well, firstly, you're grateful you even had a swimming pool because there's not many battleships that actually have swimming pools. And secondly, do you, do you go on up to the captain's office and hammer on the door and say, what's going on? No, no. What do you do? Bomb drops in the swimming pool. You pick up your gun and you start shooting. It's all about your mindset. Are you born onto a cruise ship or are you born as a, onto a battleship as a believer? So many Christians I found, and I know because I was like this, so many Christians believe they're born onto a cruise ship. When actually you're born onto a battleship. That's the point Jesus is making. And I remember when I began, first began uh, using this illustration, there was a lady in church and she uh, got saved on Alpha Course. I know you run Alpha Courses as a church and we run them as well. Well, this lady got saved. She gave her life to Jesus to become a follower of Jesus on this Alpha Course. But do you know what? Straight afterwards, which we've seen happen again and again, her life just went to pot. So many things went wrong. So many difficulties happened that hadn't happened before. They just started happening after she become a follower of Jesus because there's a battle going on and uh, my friend Steve went to her and said hey how are you doing you know he was concerned he was worried about her because we'd seen people in this situation before and they just walk away they they think well you know what if this Christianity you know I thought it was going to be an easy life and uh, I'm done and he said to her how are you doing and she said you know what I'm doing okay the very first Sunday that I came to the king's arms Simon was speaking and he asked us, are you born on a cruise ship or are you born on a battleship? And I decided that day, oh, I was born onto a battleship. So I wasn't expecting it to be easy. You see, right in her foundation, she understood these things. And so I I just want to ask you that question. Are you born on a cruise ship? Are you born on a battleship? You understood there is a battle for this kingdom that's going on all around us. And we are part of that war. And the third thing is this. The third thing that Jesus wants us to bring out, I believe, today is this. Is this. And the third thing that comes out of that parable is that God is not afraid of a bit of mixture. Notice in this, this story that, that, that the, uh, the wheat and the, and the weeds were, were sown together. The enemy sowed these weeds in and God was not afraid of that. He, he, he is the, the farmer. He's not, we want to get it all sorted now. We want it all to be perfect now. But God's like, it's not like that. If, we, if I weeded it all out now, there'll be damage to the wheat. It wouldn't grow. There's something about the battle. There's something about the striving and the, and the challenges, even with the people around us, that actually causes us to grow. That's why God left the wheat and the weeds to grow together. You know, you can be seeing so much fruitfulness in the kingdom of God, and yet then there becomes these real challenges, and you start to question, did God, did you really tell me to do this? Some of you are even facing that now. You thought you were on God's path, and there's these challenges, and you suddenly think, am I on the right path? Well, you might not be on the right path. That's a great question to ask, but you might be on the right path. The very indication that there's a battle that there's mixture, that there's things that aren't perfect, can sometimes indicate that actually God is at work, that he has called you on this path. And, and people jettison too quickly, I think, when they don't understand these things. I remember uh, a really sad story of a young man in our community. He was going well, he was growing in God, but he absolutely loved this particular Christian leader. He thought this particular Christian leader was fantastic. He loved his sermons. He loved, just, he just was uh, just like a, a, a massive fan of this guy. But then this Christian leader got into some sin. He left his wife. He had an affair. The whole thing just messed out of ministry. And this young man became so disillusioned. He thought, you know, well, it wasn't the only reason. 
But it was a major reason. He just walked away, walked away from the Lord, spent many years. He's actually just come back to the faith in Christ just recently, but spent many years away from the Lord. Why? Because he hadn't understand, understood this, that in the kingdom, God is promising to fix it, but he's not promising to fix it now. God is promising that it will be perfect, but it will not. It is not perfect right now. And God's okay with that because he's going to use it to cause things to grow, things to mature, things to become strong and healthy in his kingdom. He will clean it out one at one point, but not yet. Not yet. And we have to understand that. Then let's uh, flip to Matthew 13, verse 31. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all the seeds and it becomes the largest of the garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Here's the fourth thing Jesus wants to understand about the kingdom is that it starts in the small. The kingdom starts in the small, in the insignificant. And you know, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I look for something that's important, I look for the, the big, the flashy. You might look for the number of Twitter followers or Facebook friends or, or, or Instagram followers. You, you look, we look, don't we, for the big, the flashy, the spectacular, the big marketing budget. We look for that. And that's the things that grab our attention. Jesus says the kingdom isn't like that. The kingdom is not like that. The kingdom starts in the small starts in the small, in the insignificant. That's why Jesus said, even a cup of water given in my name will receive its reward. Even a cup of water. Jesus is looking for the in, this insignificant. And that should give you and I great confidence and great courage. Why? Because it means every single interaction we have counts. It makes a difference. Even the ones that we think, I don't know where that what happened or what that was about. They make a difference. I remember sending a text to a young man after he'd walked away from church and I hadn't seen him for a while. I just sent him a text. He never replied. I sent him another one. He never replied. I sent him a third one. He never replied. I thought, you know what? And then just each one I was saying, hey, value you. We miss you. I'd love to connect again, but no reply. I think it was about four or five years later. He, I saw him back at church. He came back weeping, transformed, turned his life around. Six months later, he came up to me and he said, you know, those texts you sent made a huge difference. They were one of the reasons that I came back. A friend of mine gave a book to a friend, uh, Lee Strobel's Case for Christ. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, it's a great book to read. Lee Strobel, Case for Christ. He gave it to his friend and said, hey, look, I've been, just read this book. It's fantastic. I think you'd really find it helpful. His friend said, thanks so much. Anyway, he kind of knew that his friend never read it. Twelve years later, he gets a phone call from his friend. Hey, mate, we haven't reconnected in a while. They had, they'd you know, lost touch over the years. How are you doing? My friend's uh, is like, yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? He said, I've not been great. My mum was killed in a car crash three months ago. He said, but the strangest thing was I, I picked up that book you gave me. Do you remember you gave me a book, a uh, Lee Strobel book? He's like, yes, yeah. Steve was like, yeah. He said, well, I, I picked up that book off the shelf and I've been reading it. I just want to talk, what would it, what would it mean for me to become a follower of Jesus? Is that something that we could talk about 12 years? That seed stayed on the shelf until the right time. That should encourage us. 
as the, as the scripture says, don't grow weary of doing good. There's things that you're seeds that you're planting in people's lives right now that won't harvest for quite some time. That's what Jesus says. The kingdom's like this. It starts in the small. It starts in the insignificant. But when it's God's seed, it will grow. And in the, in the right time, some of these seeds stay dormant for a long, long time. But in the kingdom of God, sooner or later, if they're of God, they will grow. And then the next thing will be about this, about influence. The small and the influential go together in God's eyes. He loves to influence from the margin. That's why when I'm looking for what's new, I'm always looking for the margins. I'm looking for the places where there's no power because I know that's where God loves to work. I'm all focused on the things at the centre, but actually he's interested in the margin. I spent the last six months researching what God's doing around the world in some insignificant nations, some nations I'd never even heard of before and seeing how God is moving and they've got no budgets and they've got no money and they've got no TV studios to pump out the gospel. They've got no big buildings, but God is doing phenomenal things all over the world. I loved reading the stories because I know he starts in the insignificant. He loves to start in the small. He loves to start with the poor. So if you feel small and insignificant, and like you haven't got a voice, bingo. My money's on you. (laughs) My money's on you. Because I know that if you will just open your heart and partner with him, he loves to use people like you. He loves to use people like you. He loves to partner with you to bring his kingdom and to help and to use you to spread his kingdom wherever you go. Let's read another parable. Uh, It's again from Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a, in a field. In its excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. You know, some years ago, we buried a lady called Zoe. She's part of our community. She's 44 years old, died uh, within five weeks of being diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer. And... Uh, those obviously were the heart. She was one of our worship leaders. It was just like the, the most horrendous kind of five week period for her and for us. But, you know, afterwards, um, what stood out to me was that she had discipled. She had taught our church, our church how to die. In fact, I had numbers of people come to me to say, Zoe taught me how to die. I've never read a book on it. I've never heard a sermon on it. She taught me how to die. Because of how she approached death. I remember my wife Caroline went to see her one day and she said, you know, Caroline, I, um, uh, the doctors are asking me if I'm okay because of just the speed of this thing. And she's like, I've been singing about Jesus and meeting him face to face for my entire life. I'm either going to get healed, great news, or I'm going to meet Jesus that I've been singing about. This is a win-win for me. This is a win-win for me. And a few days later, she died. Even on her deathbed, she was calling on the pastoral team and said, I'm really worried about so-and-so. I'm really worried about so-and-so. They're struggling because of what's happened to me. Don't let anyone go into disappointment because of me. Don't let anyone. You've got to help so-and-so. She was caring from people from her deathbed. What does that teach us? It teaches us the value of the kingdom. When you've got someone discipling people from their deathbed, you know you're onto something. You would know you are onto the pearl of great price, the treasure hidden in the field. You found someone who has found something worth giving their life for. And it testifies to the value of the kingdom. That's the, the sixth thing. The value of the kingdom is worth giving everything up for. Some of you even watching this, God is going to call you to give things up for the kingdom. Like he's called me, like he's called many others. And I want to tell you, it is worth it. 
It is worth it, just as Zoe's story tells us. And then lastly, one last parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it onto the shore, sat down and sorted the fish into crates. They threw the bad ones away and kept the good ones. This is how it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. They'll throw the, the wicked into the fiery furnace. They'll be weeping and gnashing their teeth. Do you understand these things? Yes, they said, we do. This is the, the understanding that we've got to have. It's a sobering message that there will be a sorting, sorting out at the end of the day. There will be those who responded to the kingdom and those who haven't. And Jesus is calling us until that point to sow liberally, to sow the seed liberally, not to be kind of picky, but to, to the, same, the first parable in the last one gave us the same story, didn't it? Sow liberally, throw the seed wherever we can, because when it finds good soil, it, when, it finds a, when it becomes a good fish, it will produce life and fruit for those around. We sow liberally because God wants his message to go out to whoever will respond. Some of our best leaders at our church, the King's Arms, are unlikely suspects. They're unlikely people. They're the people that you wouldn't think would, would, would lead. You know, we've got ex-drug addicts leading our homeless ministries. One of the guys who, who raised the most money in the last few years for one of our ministries was recently came out of prison right before he, he, he did it. There's something about the, the, the understanding that the unlikely ones are so often the ones who produce uh, fruit and that's why we've got to sow liberally because we just don't know where kingdom fruit is going to come from so i need to land at that we're online i know we can't none of us can stomach going for too long here's here's seven things that i think every christian must understand you've got to understand about identity we are the seed of the kingdom of god you are the seed of the kingdom of god that he's planted into the world to produce fruit you've got to understand the battle there's a very real battle there's a very real enemy are you born on a cruise ship or are you born on a battleship? We've got to understand about the mixture. God's not afraid about the mixture. It won't look perfect. If you find the perfect choice, church, don't join it. You'll ruin it, as someone once said to me. Thanks much. Thanks very much for that. The reality is there is a mixture, and we've got to live with that because God lives with that for a reason, because he, he uses that mixture to allow things to grow. Got to understand, fourthly, that it's in the small the kingdom of God may look insignificant at first, but we should look for the insignificant because that's so often where God is moving and working. We've got to think about influence. Fifthly, the yeast shows us that the kingdom of God starts in the small, but it grows to, to, to have massive impact. We've got to think about the value. The kingdom of God is worth giving stuff up for. It's worth giving up everything for. It's that valuable. And then we've got to understand about liberality. We've got to sow our kingdom seed liberally. Sow this message of the king and his kingdom liberally. So much more I could say. It's great to be with you. Let me just pray for you as I finish. Father, I just thank you for kings. Thank you for all that they are. And I pray this message would help some, some that are struggling, some that have never understood these things. I pray it would be a real blessing as they understand the message of the kingdom. I pray for transformation in every life. Let it produce great fruit in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for listening.